Hello, this is Johnny Tacos. Welcome to another episode of Taco Talk. And it's my pleasure to have Mr. Kellen Flukeeker, uh, the Ultimate Catalyst Certified Master Coach, Amazon's number one best selling author, and apparently freezing up there in Canada. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, Johnny. Uh, thank you for having me, and I really want to acknowledge you first, and I want it on your show, because I want to thank you for the good work you're doing. A podcast, and you said you have three shows as a labor of love, and I just appreciate the good that you're trying to do, the good you are adding to the world, and everything that you're trying to do to help people, so thank you for that. Well, I'm more of the archiver so to speak you know uh, people's stories go through me to the listener so i'm just the medium i'm the medium of god's hand yes so. you are but it's still a labor of love and i want to thank you for that well i appreciate it thank you so much so enough about me i talk about me all the time so let's talk about you you know you you're a, a certified master coach what is, what is that a certified master coach just means that I chose about 14 years ago to leave one career and go into another one. I had a divine intervention that completely changed my life in 2007 that we'll probably talk about a little bit later. But after that, I, I really chose to figure out what I could do to be of service. And I think of coaching kind of as the people encouragement business, kind of like coaches for athletes at the Olympics or anything like that. They don't do the work, but they're the, they're the helpers and the encouragers and so forth. So the certified part just means I went to some coaching schools and took some curriculum and got a stamp, ding, certified. <laughs> so you help yourself by helping others so to speak you know you're your own therapist to yourself i do but i have coaching in other words i i feel like a, a coach that isn't actively involved in personal development and some kind of coaching gets stale really fast because the process of coaching is really listening and understanding people and i i at least have found that continuing to be involved at a higher and higher level of working on myself makes me a better a better coach for others awesome so you we're going to uh, touch back more of that on later on but um how how did you uh how was your way of life growing up you had some hardships i i believe well, you know, I think probably everybody had some stuff, but my particular flavor was I was born into a, a middle-class-ish family in the San Francisco Bay Area. Two parents, uh, you know, not it, from the outside, it looked like, oh, this is okay. Uh, my mom was pretty young when she got married, and the struggle was because she had a particular view of religion and how kids are supposed to behave, and she enforced it with discipline that today would be felony child abuse, so a lot of beatings and a lot of things that um, I remember, for example, getting dressed even in high school in the locker room for PE and making sure I was last because I didn't want people to see I was black and blue, that sort of thing, because I was ashamed. What that did, and long since not angry or frustrated with my mom, who was the principal person, my dad was gone a lot, but 
It left me feeling like knowing to the core of my soul, I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. That was the first thing. And the second thing, it left me with a lifelong need to prove that I was somehow okay. Because after all, my mom had, you know, all this sort of religion on her side. And I'm not, I'm very religious now or spiritual, but it had nothing to do with that. So she must be right. And I must suck. And the third part was, of course, that's all private business and you can't talk to anyone. So I spent 35 years from when I left home at 17, after having lived with that, until I was 52, holding the silence and living with depression internally, convinced that I wasn't good enough. That journey led me through three marriages, married and divorced three times. It led me through a lot of struggle with drugs, addictions, in and out of rehab. The part that was weird was that I also knew how to make money. And so I had, a, from the outside, a fabulous-looking career with lots of cash and lots of possessions and all that crap and was a wreck behind the scenes. And so that was sort of the up and down roller coaster. And my real addiction, as it were, was to self-loathing. I needed to hate myself because I believed that I was not okay. And self-sabotage with relationships or with different career opportunities and the substances and everything else were just sort of the tools to make sure that I lived in that negativity. If that makes, if that's a clear explanation, yeah, that's perfectly clear. I, I think everybody has had that kind of life. Uh, well, especially you know if they're around our age. You know, I'm 45, so you know I'm not that much uh, younger than you are. So we all we we have that little feeling of insecure and, and all that. So did you uh, replace some of the emptiness with? Uh, other uh, addictions uh, during that time frame? I did. So, you know, I started experimenting with drugs when I was a teenager because it was an escape. Uh, then I then I substituted, you know, trying to get a girl to like me, and I got married against my parents' objections, and that lasted a few years, and then uh, more substances, and then I got married again against my parents' objections, and that one lasted more years, and I, you know, had lots of kids thinking somehow that was all going to make things better, and, you know, just went up and down. That marriage failed, and then the third one failed and there were more and more substances and because I had high-powered jobs when I would go to rehab it was like secret places you know nobody knows 30-day residential rehab somebody's quote on vacation that sort of thing and it was just a wreck so at one point I had a three thousand dollar a week cocaine addiction and I was making so much money that that didn't matter so living living that life uh trying to feel this empty void in your in your body in your mind your soul everything that was brought up to you as growing up as a kid how you were feeling this this uh, loss of self uh, when when did you get the uh, wake-up call uh, how, how did that happen how did I approach you when God came up and and gave you that wake-up call uh, you know, it happens for different people, all kinds of different ways. And I think maybe because I was 
so thick-headed. Mine was a two-by-four. In August of 2007, it was a Friday night. <clears throat> I came home from my hotshot job, and I had four of my ten children living with me. They were all teenagers. Three were grown up and married, and three were living with one of, I hate saying that because it sounds so awful, one of my exes. But anyway, um, I was going to go out party for the weekend and would have come back maybe Monday or Tuesday. And all of a sudden, when I got ready to go out, I felt this incredible urge to turn on the television. Now, that doesn't sound like anything, except I realized when I went to do it, I didn't know how to turn it on. I'd had the electronics guys come in and put the big cool stuff in because, of course, that's what you buy. But I wasn't a TV watcher. So when I went to do it, I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to turn this on. So I asked one of the kids, my 16-year-old daughter, she turned it on and threw the remote at me and, you know, dip weed, right? <laughs> and it la it landed on a television program I'd never heard of, but I hadn't heard of any of them because I didn't watch. So that program's called Intervention. Now, if you know that TV, I mean, that's a reality TV show about families who stage interventions for busted family members. And I'd never heard of it. And I'm like, okay. And I watched a few minutes and like about 10 minutes. And the protagonist was a high ranking executive with a cocaine problem. So I watched about 10 minutes and I'm like, yeah, screw this. I'm not watching myself on TV. So I went in the kitchen and did some dishes and did a few other things and got ready to leave. And then I, I felt compelled to turn the TV back on. So I did. This time I knew how. So I turned the TV on and that program, that, that program started over. And no, I don't have a DVR and no, it wasn't on the schedule and no, it can't do that. I get it, but it did. So that kind of, not kind of, it freaked me out and I'm like, okay and i watched the program and it went badly the guy yelled at his family and refused all the help and stomped out of the meeting and everything but it freaked me out enough that i'm like okay and i i didn't go out to go party i went to bed and when i went to bed i went to hell and what i mean by that is i went somewhere it felt out of body but i felt like i was in a kind of a theater and on the stage was a parade of all of the suffering in my life, starting with the suffering that had been inflicted on me as a kid, all the way through all the suffering I had inflicted on others as a depressed person, a bad partner in marriage, a, a drug addict and a liar and all the things that I'd done. And after a long, and I, that it was, the suffering was so intense I've never felt I can't even describe it. But anyway, after a long time, a voice simply said, it is enough. I woke up and the sun was shining in the window of my bedroom, which was weird because the windows faced west. And I got up and realized it was five o'clock Saturday afternoon. So I'd been somewhere for about 18 hours. I got up and realized, okay, I've been invited to change. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no idea how to do this. I have no idea what's next, but uh, I'm done. So I threw away about $1,000 worth of stuff that I had laying around, drugs, 
and quit cold turkey, 3000 bucks a week to zero in one day. And that got me sober. But that was only the first half of what God had planned because the real issue was the depression and self-loathing. So that was sobriety. Two weeks later, I hadn't quit my job or done anything like that yet, even though I knew I had to do something radical to get changed. So in the position I had, because I made a lot of big dollar decisions that affected other companies, CEOs and others used to give me free stuff, free tickets to this, free comp passes to that, free expensive bottles of whatever. So one of the things I got was a couple of free tickets to see a concert with Yo-Yo Ma. Now, if you're a classical musician, you know who that is. And if you don't, that doesn't matter. But in the classical circles, he's like, oh. So anyway, I I thought, well, it'd be a terrible shame to waste this other ticket because I'm single for the third time. And so I asked the people in my groups who likes classical music. And some lady in one of the groups said, well, I do. And I looked at her and I said, well, have I ever given you anything before? She said, no. I said, okay, fine. We'll see you there. Gave her the ticket and we met at the venue and the concert was spectacular. Now, you got to remember now, two, this is um, two weeks, stone cold sober. Halfway through the show, I had this feeling come over me that I recognized from two weeks before. And a voice in my mind said, <clears throat> you need to marry this woman. And I said, you're insane. I said, I've screwed that up three times officially and some other messes in between. That's just not happening. Later that night, we were backstage because, of course, they were backstage passes. And this voice came back in my head and said, comma, and you need to tell her tonight. And I freaked out. I'm like, yeah, she can have me arrested for harassment or whatever because she worked in one of my groups. I'm like, "I, I can't do this. Especially in this day of age. I know. Well, the the thing is, is you don't win those arguments. So I did, and it went about like you would have expected. Are you out of your mind? But she didn't call a cop, so I was good. Uh, within two weeks after that, she had her own set of experiences, and uh, she resigned her position. I quit, walked away from millions of dollars in contracts, and we sort of walked off into the sunset together. And about two and a half months ago, we celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. Now, as as incredible as that story is, and people will say, oh, how romantic, except the real key to that was she was the angel sent to help me deal with the other half, which was my self-loathing and depression. She was the first person I'd ever been in my life who taught me how to be a friend, how to have a friend, how to tell the truth. She found me people to talk to, counselors and others, to help that part handled. So... Those are the two parts of the unbelievable events that invited me to change my life. That's awesome. You know, God works. He, he works in his own time. So he gave you a little bit, a little bit that you can handle at once. Uh, pretty much if you get the full force to jump into the fire, uh, you know, like they say in the work, we're going to trial by fire. Uh, you know, that probably would have been too much for you and, you would have ran off the rafters. <laughs> I could have. You know, the whole thing was pretty pretty radical because, you know, within a very short period of time, I'd left my position. I had no idea what I was going to do. I did have somebody with me, but it was quite an adventure. 
So she was your anchor. She she was the uh, or is sorry. She is the anchor to to your ship. She keeps you steady when when the storm comes through. And you know that's why I believe you know when when God made Adam and Eve. Eve was that missing piece to Adam, you know, piece of his rib. So my wife, you know, um, it took me a while finding her. Uh, you know, it's a long story how we met. You, you would laugh. You would laugh. So, uh, but I won't get into that. But how uh, did you have any rocky starts or did you start going to church? Um, you, you started becoming more walking down a, a, a righteous path. Well, I got sober. Um, my wife at the time, she had been studying um, Buddhism, but I had, I never was anti, even though I was raised with that abuse, I was never anti-God or relig religion per se. I just knew that, or believed that, well, I just can't do this. I'm sure there's some truth and, you know, Jesus and God and all that good stuff, but I, I just can't do it. So after we were together for a few months, I felt the, you know, the pull to return to church and to worship and, and in the process of sort of getting my head together too, talking to counselor here and there and then regularly and then returned to church. And my wife came with me and we just, you know, moved in that direction I'm sure guided by inspired by invited by the divine and so yes that absolutely moved uh, and continues to move in a powerful way every uh, I would say every day I start every day with a long like two or three hours somewhere between two and three hours of a devotional practice every day and the reason I do isn't to somehow make sure I don't screw up, it's because that is the tool that I use to prepare myself every day to be the person that I want to be. Because you don't want to go back, you know, you don't want to backslide back into that person you were. That person's gone, uh, checked out years and years ago, and you've worked so hard with with the Lord's help and with your wife's help to build this empire that you have a spiritual empire and you you're a best-selling author international and through amazon uh mm -hmm. 15 books I, I i i don't think i've read five books you know i'm more of an audio guy but 15 books written you must have had some um some creative some explosion of uh of thoughts in your head to write all these books. Well, I never planned on being an author. So in the 30 years I spent in that other career from 1977 to 2007, I had never written any, I mean, I'd written some technical papers in the career that I was in, but I never even thought about writing a book. And when this all happened a year or two later, I started feeling the urge to write. And so I did. And one of the I wrote some books about meditation, which is a practice of learning to communicate with the divine. And then I really felt impressed to write a book about my journey. So I wrote Tightrope of Depression, my journey from darkness, despair and death to light, love and life. And then I 
realized there was more, and so I wrote a sequel to that. And then I wrote a business book called The Results Equation, and they just kept coming. And so what's happened is I've realized two things. One, that I have a gift of writing, which I didn't know. And two, there is a lot to to give, like we each, if we want to, and in our own way, have a can be a conduit of both love and power to help everybody around us, and it's what we're really called to do. So, with this journey, um, before your journey, was it uh, was the bond between you and your children? Was it altered? Was was it uh, lacking at that time before your journey to righteousness? Well, I still have a lot of work to do there. Like I mentioned, I have 10 kids. And with three divorces, uh, some of the kids still don't talk to me. I've still got work opportunity there. I there, There's no negativity on my side towards my mom, the kids, my exes, or anything. But some of the kids are living in a, in a place like we all do. Every, every person has their own journey and we all do it at our own pace and time and just like God waited with invitation until I was able and ready I have every confidence that as I remain active open and loving the opportunity for those kids that are not part of the ones that talk to me right now will come so there will be a day Uh, some of the kids didn't believe that I'd sobered up some of them still want to have someone to blame for everything that goes wrong in their life. And it was really good when I was the jerk and the, 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 the cause and the root of all evil. And I lived into that for a while. That's another thing that joy and God helped me figure out. I, allow, I, I was living in that everything's my fault place. And the real struggle with that is when we carry that burden and we can't forgive ourselves when we've made every effort to, to do what's good, all we're really doing is limiting the amount of good we can do in the world by con- continuing to carry that, you know, guilt and self-loathing and all that stuff around. So not only uh, you have written books, but you have a podcast and um, you do 15-minute uh, intervals, right? You said 15 minute intervals in your podcast. Is that more for to towards your coaching or is that a personal uh, podcast? Well, it's kind of fun. It started in a funny way at the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020 when you know, this was just first starting and nobody was sure what was going to happen. And the first areas in the world were announcing some lockdowns and especially Italy. I think the cases were kind of exploding and, you know, I don't know, maybe we thought for five minutes this was Armageddon. But anyway, somebody called my wife, who's also my business partner. She's turned into that, too. She manages all of our contractors and runs our websites and does all that stuff. But anyway, somebody called her and said, does Kellen have a podcast? Now, I think he was looking for motivational stuff because of what was happening in the world. And we didn't have one. But Joy said, yes. And she came downstairs and said, we have a podcast. And I said, uh, okay. So then I thought, if I'm going to do this, I want it to be something that can can be regular and frequent and help people. So I just decided to do it every day and short. 
So I create uh, a 15 minute, I created a 15 minute daily podcast. It's called Your Ultimate Life. And I define your ultimate life as living a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your divine gifts. So I haven't quite made every day. We're coming up on two years uh, this this April, and but I am on episode 630-something. So we missed a few days when we moved in the middle and some stuff, but pretty close to every day now for two years. Yeah, you're talking about... Uh, getting on overdrive with this podcast you know it, it's it's fun when uh you know it's easy when it's fun to do you know you you like to talk you like to inspire and you know this this is your divine gift is to speak and and help others you know if it's by literary or by verbal you know i've uh read a little bit of of your work you know uh it's, it's, I see a lot of uh, what you went through uh, the same way that I went through as a child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it comes to show that we are all parts of the body of God. Mm-hmm. And, and we are a lot more alike than many people think. So uh, what, what is uh, your future? What, what is uh, Behold uh, Your Future have? Well, right now I have a goal, uh, and it'll last until I accomplish it, and then I'll make another one. My goal right now is to help 10 million people discover, develop, and serve with their divine gifts. Now, I don't know exactly how I'm going to measure that. The podcast is one way. I have a YouTube channel called Ultimate Life Formula. I write books. I appear a lot on podcasts with gracious hosts like yourself. And I also am a coach, which we talked about earlier. So I have a few individuals that I work with who are really trying to level up their lives. And I have some group coaching uh, around a couple of things. One of my favorites is helping people write their stories. Uh, You're right. We are a lot alike. And everyone who has made a choice not to give in, but to listen to the invitation and then feels a desire to tell their story in a way that will help others often, you know, they want to write a book. And so I've because I ended up writing so many, I realized, gee, I know how to do this really well. So I wrote another book called The Story Arc, which is a book about how to write books. <laughs> and then I conduct 90-day workshops three or four times a year to help people do that. So I coach, I have some workshops, and then I do the podcasts and videos. And, you know, that's one way of keeping your mind sound is to have all these uh all these stakes in the fire, you know, all these coals in the fire to keep you going. Uh, you know, hearing your testimony growing up, um, going through this, uh, the life you lived, you know, it's insp- inspiring to, sh- to tell people that it doesn't matter what age you're at. When, when God decides to call your number to talk to you, to tell you, hey, you got to wake up. You got it. This is not going the way you need to go. I'm going to show you. I'm, let me take the ride. Let me take the wheel. You know, it, it's an inspiration to a lot of my listeners to hear the the glorious of what God does in people's lives through uh, testimonies such as yours. Uh, do you 
do you feel that your testimony, that your life had touched so many people? Have you felt the, um, has people came by and told you, thank you so much. Uh, your words and your wisdom had helped me go through this, um, event that I was, I was having, you know? Well, everybody, every person that is trying to live into the gifts and talents they have will impact others and do it in a positive and beautiful way. I have had lots of folks tell me that some version of what I've either said or written or anything has lifted and blessed their life, lifted and blessed their life. But like you know, and like you just said, our, our Heavenly Father is the source of all that goodness. And here's something I finally figured out. You know, God can do all of his work without me or without any of us. Amen. But, but he would rather do it with us and in the process make something out of us. That is true words. I, I, I feel you on that because we're, we're just the instruments in his divine plan. And like you said, there's... Uh, there's divine gifts that are given to each one of us. We were all born with uh, gifts, you know, to teach, to prophesize, to, uh, you know, to archive like I do, to listen, to, you know, there, there's there's all these gifts. And you have to listen to what our Heavenly Father is telling us to to do he's he's telling us what our gifts are it's just a lot of times because we are human and because you know we're 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 made out of flesh and bone we're going to make mistakes and we're not going to see the the whole picture clearly you know some of us need glasses like me <laughs> you know some of us need two by fours like me so i you know, there's all kinds of reasons we don't hear the invitations. We can be busy. We can be ignoring them. We can be tuned to the wrong station like a radio receiver. We can think, ah, that can't be right because it's not going like I want. But, you know, it is, it is so true that the real opportunity is to just listen and then act on those invitations. Amen. So, uh, what is there anything you can, uh, any kind of inspiration that you can uh, tell my listeners right now? Uh, is there any any kind of wisdom that you can share to them? Just just uh, if they're having a, a bad day, if they're they're going through a, a loss of a loved one, or uh, their job, they lose their job, or they're having problems with their their children, and you know we're. We're both cut from the same cloth on that because I'm having some issues with my my two daughters that I have. So I understand that it takes time. But you know, some some of these listeners they they wanna they wanna feel uh, that there is a you know resolution to their sorrows. So I have two things to say. One of them's kind of funny, and then one's serious. The funny one is, you know, I've heard it said, when you're going through hell, keep going. So that's the funny one. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't sit down and quit. 
right? We all know where that goes, and that's nowhere. Yep. The serious one is this. Look, I was 52. I had spent 35 years going up and down the roller coaster, trying, failing, self-sabotage, drugs, failed relationships, and on and on and on. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what has happened to you. I don't care how bleak or dark the sky seems right now. It is never impossible. It is never too late. And it is always possible to get up and keep going, even if it's just a tiny bit. You know, during my dark times, I attempted suicide a couple times. And I was blessed to fail in my attempts so that I could continue so that I could try again, so that I could eventually listen to the invitation. So it's never too late. It's never too hard. Just keep going. And the other piece of that is don't do what I did. For 35 years, I never talked to anyone. I never talked to a counselor. I never talked. To, I didn't. I was never honest about my feelings, about what was going on in my life. I just kept blaming myself. If I could just suck it up, if I could just do better. And a lot of self-negative talk. So the piece I would give you is, I don't care where you've been or what's happened. It's never too late. Keep going. And the other half of that is, get some help. As much as you need. If this help sucks, then go get some other help. You know, don't give in to the myth that we seem to cultivate uh, that somehow you're supposed to do this by yourself. You're not. And the quicker you realize that, the better and more able and happy you'll be. We are built to help and serve and love each other. I couldn't say it any better than that you know um we were bred to be a community of a brotherhood a fellowship we're not we're not bred to be alone no. um i've i know you felt it that aloneness it's it, it's it's um it's worse than death sometimes the to be alone and that uh, what you said, you know, you need to reach out and, and talk to people. And if you can't talk to people around your, if you have toxic people around or something, you can go to a church. You can talk to a pastor. You can talk to, uh, they got phone numbers. They got websites. Um, you know, you can also harass me on Facebook. You know, if you want to have somebody to talk to, you know, I, I can listen. I, you know, I don't know if I can give out the, the best advice in the world. But, you know, I can listen. That's that's why I got uh, two ears. God gave me two ears. So. You know, one of the interesting things about that is we, we're often afraid. And I call it uh, the WITOT fungus. And that's an acronym, W-I-T-O-T. -T, and it stands for what I think others think. And we are so often, so at least I used to be, and many that I talk to, so concerned about what people are going to think. Well, if they knew this about me, then they wouldn't, you know. You know what I finally learned after decades? Who cares? Like, take responsibility and control of your life. Who cares what anybody else thinks? You know, we live in this world where everything is recorded uh, for some kind of uh, people want to be something so you have 
apps, you know, similar like TikTok or YouTube or or some of these just say, hey, look at me, look at me. And then you start looking at the comments and there's people just out there just to be ugly, just to be ugly. And you start feeling that and you start living that negative because like you said, what do other people think about me? And you, you're going out there and you're hunger for some attention from anybody like me like me i'm i'm here you know I'll, I'll dance i'll be i'll be a fool for you i'll be a puppet just like me and it's getting harder and harder for people to don't care about what people think about them uh, you know we're, we're getting old in our age so uh, you know I, I my hair is growing out my beard's growing out big uh, when I was younger, I, I used to like to keep it trimmed and, and all that, you know, uh, now I'm like, you know what? I like my beard being this long. I don't care what other people think. And <laughs> you start when you start getting older, but it's getting harder with, with, with the kids today. And I see it on my children and I see it, uh, just walking around and talking to people at church or people, you know, at a store, how much they are so starving for other people, uh, other people's attention, and, and what other people think about them, that they're for, they're losing their self in that identity. And with that, I agree with you a hundred percent. And with that, and it feels hollow. Because you can never get enough of what you don't need because what you don't need doesn't satisfy you. And we don't need others' approval. We need to know in our hearts that we're doing what's right and we need God's approval. And after that, we don't need anything. And, uh, you know, it's similar to an addiction, um, which it is. Uh, getting attention is kind of an addiction. Uh, like a drug addiction, you start off in a small amount that doesn't work you keep more and more and more and that hollow is just an empty pit it just keeps falling down you're not going to get filled up you know but then when you start going to our you know our heavenly father um going like jesus said you know drink from my water you'll never thirst again as it gives you a whole new um uh, meaning a whole new life when you start filling yourself with more of the of the good and and the righteous and the right and the just than it is with uh, billions and billions and billions of stuff from the world drugs alcohol uh sex and you know i can go on and on and on from the of all the prospects from the world but none of that really fills you up inside. You you start feeling even more alone. You start feeling even more useless because nothing is working. Then you start doubting yourself, and, you, and then you start going down into that downward spiral. Absolutely agree, hundred percent. So, but uh, we're coming up to the uh, end of the show. Um, I like my guests to pray us out. Would you? Um, give us a prayer I'd be happy to Heavenly Father we come before thee in this uh, podcast and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here with Johnny and to praise you to acknowledge the help and the love that you offer every 
person. We're grateful for knowing this and for the obligation and the opportunity that we each have to love and bless those around us. We pray that we will rise up to our responsibilities and that thy spirit will bless the world. There is so much of hurt and pain, especially now, this last little while in the world of, of suffering. We pray for these things now, Father, and I pray that thou bless Johnny in his efforts to do good. And we say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I want to give a, 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 you know, a joyous thank, thank you to, uh, to you, Ken, for uh, taking your time, your busy schedule, and uh, being on this podcast. It's an honor to meet you. Um, I can't wait for those other 10 books that you're going to put out there. You know, <laughs> then you're going to add up another 20 more books. And then, you know, whatever, you, until your hands can't write anymore, right? I don't plan on stopping. It just seems to get easier and easier, and there's more to say and more praise to give and more souls to help. So, yes. So, as you can tell, he's fighting a good fight. You know, he's got his armor on. He's ready to fight to to help others um, as, he, as the Lord helped him. So, thank you again uh, for being on the show. I want to give a... Um, a thank you to all the new listeners that happened to stumble upon here. You did not come in here on accident, just like uh, that TV show that he watched and it rewatched again. You, um, God has something here in this in this word in this discussion to help you out. Uh, all my diehard listeners that listen to everything, even my mess up ones. Uh, Thank you so much. You are the glue that keeps this podcast going. And also, uh, we have a Taco Tuesday testimonial coming out uh, next Tuesday. So um, we'll we'll have that up coming. And thank you all for um, your continued support. Y'all have a blessed day, and God be with you. Yeah.